And welcome back to another week of Part of the Disruption. I am your host, Weasel, and I'm joined by the Room Shakers again, the bosses of all bosses. The panel this week, we're going to go virtual left to right as we do every week. And let's start off with my guy, Steve Trang. Hey, everyone. It's Steve Trang, Real Estate Disruptors, a serial entrepreneur, got a podcast. We do sales training. And um, pretty much if it's real estate, we're involved unless it's property management because I don't like getting sued. <laughs> Beautifully said. <laughs> Beautifully said. And to his virtual right, we have Leon, don't forget the G Barnes back in the building. You got it. I, I am here. Let's go. That's what the G is uh, stands for this week. Yes, LG. See, I put that together. Uh, I'm the director of membership re results for the Collective Genius, the mastermind community for real estate investors. Love it. Just real quick, let everyone know RJ didn't get approved. All right, continue. <laughs> <laughs> To his virtual right. <laughs> Gosh. All right. We're starting early. I like that, Steve. To his virtual right, we have RJ Bates. RJ, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. Excited to win for another week. Um, I'm enjoying the fact that Steve has a fake trophy in front of him. Never actually <laughs> That's also the NBA championship trophy, which we know Phoenix has never seen one of those before, so it's, a, it's exciting to see that Steve brought that on set today. <laughs> that was unnecessary. Was Show painful. it off, Steve. Show it off and be proud of it. You earned it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and last but certainly not least, we have our guy CJ, Chris Jefferson, in the building. How you doing today, man? I'm doing good. We, man, it's good to be back. Uh, excited to, uh, to win again this week. Uh, I think I got the most wins so far. Uh, so it'll be a good conversation, some good topics today. Chris Jefferson, Charged Up University. Shout out to the U family. Uh, let's get into it, man. I'm excited today. There it is. There it is. And congratulations on winning the pre-show poll. You're predicted at 64% of the votes to be the winner this week. It's preseason. doesn't matter. We, ha we had to start an actual <laughs> poll. <laughs> we had to start a pre-show poll because somehow RJ was going to end up with the most votes for question one. We haven't even asked the question yet. So for those tuning in for the first time, uh, the way this works is we ask five questions and then a sixth question that's submitted by you guys, the viewers. So make sure you're dropping your questions in the chat so that way we might pick yours uh, for the last question of the day. Each contestant will have 45 seconds to answer the question, and then the panel will then have an open floor moment where we allow them to uh, argue and either agree or disagree. So, uh, gentlemen, you guys ready for the first question? Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Open Door is getting sued. What are your thoughts on that? And let's start with Leon G. Barnes. So my thoughts are, are this. They're simple. And I have to PC this up because my, my kids like to go back and watch Daddy Dominate on this show. So <laughs> my thoughts are this. Is they broke a couple cardinal rules here. And they're a big well, so they're an easy target. But the number one rule that they broke is don't be a Richard. Just don't be a dick, right? That's first, first and foremost. Second is the cardinal rule of putting uh, profits over people. It's pretty simple, guys. This industry already has, you know, a bad name at times because people go out and do add-on fees and retrade at numbers that they never thought that they were going to, uh, they never, they knew that they weren't going to put that deal under contract and actually close and perform on it. So, frankly, I feel like they got what they deserve, especially being a big well. Don't break the cardinal rules. All righty, all righty. Let's go to R.J. Bates. Your thoughts on this? So, I think Open Door getting sued is a perfect example of how soft we are 
in America in 2022. I mean, this is unbelievable. First of all, $62 million, it's like a drop in a bucket to them, okay? With the tens of thousands of transactions they've done, and you're claiming it's because they misled the sellers? The sellers had a choice. They didn't have to sell their house to Open Door. They sold it for exactly the reasons why Open Door says sell to us. Simplicity, certainty, and speed. And that's what they offer. I've sold plenty of deals to Open Door. I don't feel like they owe me a dime. They gave me exactly what I wanted. And because they're saying that they claim that they you get more money, I specifically had houses that were distressed that I sold to them that I did make more money because I sold to Open Door. All right, all right. Let's go to Steve Trang. So for me, uh, if you guys are not familiar with the word Schadenfreude, uh, this is I'm totally enjoying that right now. That's basically enjoying other people's misery, right? Watching other people suffer and just basking in it. That's where I am today with Open Door. So um, their business model was to make people in real estate lose, right? They wanted to eliminate realtors. They thought realtors were not valuable. They wanted to eliminate the wholesalers because they think we're unethical. So that is their mission statement. That was their purpose. And they were willing to lose money as long as necessary to drive us all out of business. So for me, I am ecstatic that they're out of business. I think they're getting exactly what they deserve. Uh, and I said before, I think open door offer pad are going to be out of business as soon as the market changes. I think we're starting to see that's probably going to happen. And I was never worried about open door and offer pad. I was always worried about who was going to come after them. All right. And let's go to the reigning champ, Chris Jefferson, your thoughts. Yeah, so, you know, Open Door, this whole situation, uh, you know, RJ knows this. Him and I are somebody that are on the phones a lot talking with sellers. You know, this has been something, right? The sellers have literally kind of thrown in your face over the past couple of years. Hey, I've got this offer for Open Door. It's way higher than your offer, yada, 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 yada. And I think the reality of it is now that this is going to be a great sales opportunity as you're talking to homeowners in the future where you can educate them on this whole entire iBuyer process. You can educate them on exactly what is going on. I think it's a great rapport building opportunity when having a conversation with the seller. I think it's a great educational moment to show sellers what has actually taken place in the market and show them why your company doing business with you is exactly where they should go and that they need to be doing business and signing their offer with you 110%. So I'm excited about it. I think it's good. I think it's going to be a great way to leverage for your business. All right. Perfectly timed. 245 seconds. Gentlemen, the floor is open for two minutes. Any rebuttals or any disagreements? I think there's something to throw out there, right? It's like, hey, you know, at the seller's appointment. Hey, you know, no big deal, but I've never been sued for $62 million. So just take with that whatever you want to do with it. <laughs> Am I the only one that this pisses off that this is happening? It seems I like think it. You're on, I, I think you're out there on your own on this one, RJ. And, and here's, here's the, what I was trying to get to is if you really look into this, a lot of this is the hidden fees, right? You're, you're not only telling someone that you're, you're going to, buy the house at X dollar, but then you throw in hidden fees. I'm no. okay with retrading, but if you have fees that are on top of things that are not included or not explained, then a seller has a right to understand that contract and know. Who here has sold a house to open door? I've sold multiple. I, I've sold a couple, but I, I think RJ, I get what you're trying to you're kind of saying here. I think they're pretty clear about what they're going to pay. And they, okay. they essentially almost retrade every single time. So the expectation is that they're going to retrade. From the perspective of our own industry, though, they've literally been intentional, like Steve said, about saying they want to drive us out of business. They want to drive realtors out of business. They spent astronomical amounts of money to try to take market share. So 
So that's my only thought, man. I think it's good for us that this has happened, but I, I get RJ's point too, that they do do pretty clear business. So, RJ, um, I agree with you as a country, but you're a professional as, 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 as all, uh, as, a all of us where we are getting a lot of software as a country, you know, I, there's a, another class action suit where, um, the, all the buyer agents that are getting paid 3%, like all these sellers are upset. Like, why did we have to pay 3% all these years? So there's a whole class action lawsuit saying like all the, all the times we've been paying buyer agents 3% and they're suing, you know, all the big bro, all the big brokerages, Remax, Keller Williams, and a whole bunch of others over this, the class action suit is like, dude, like this was clearly established way before you signed an agreement saying you're okay paying a commission. So yeah, I'm with you that everyone's a little softer. Here's my thing. Why are we upset that open door wanted to put us out of business? That's capitalism, baby. I want to put y'all out of no, business. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it, right? But at the same time, you want me to put you wanting to put me out of business. I still get to go drink and celebrate, right? We're getting bottle service. CJ and I, we're getting bottle service when Arj is out of no business. Question. No question. No question. And I'm gonna get a Vi I'm gonna get when the sign comes through the club. It's gonna say it's gonna say Viking out on, on the side of the club. I'm just saying I, I never looked at open door as my enemy. I looked at them as an opportunity on how to use them. Right. You looked at them from that standpoint. Last thought here, real quick, is you yep. looked at them from that standpoint, RJ and CJ. You guys are selling to them, but you are real estate professionals. They're protecting okay. people here that are not in this industry, not doing this on a daily basis. All right, great points all around. Uh, we have some great comments in the chat as well. Cassie Deha said it's because they promised sellers they would net more than on the open market, then hit them with a bunch of fees, which is a great point of view. Um, also, it looks like there's a consensus in the chat that dollar in a deal is no longer the T-shirt for part of the disruptions. It's going to go to Leon Barnes. Don't be a Richard. Hashtag don't be a Richard. <laughs> Points for Leon Barnes, in my opinion, for that one. Um, closing on the voting has shown that Steve Trang won that one with 36% of the votes. On the board early, the champ is here. Let's go. Little fellow, little fellow with his little trophy. I like it. <laughs> I'll celebrate. I'll celebrate every championship. Take every W can, Steve. All right, guys. Uh, ready for question number two. Should you scale a business during a recession? Let's go with the round one winner, Steve Trang, first up. I think that if you're prepared for this recession, like you've been planning for this recession and you got everything in place, then now it's time, you know, you should go ahead and take advantage of it. But I think most people right now are seeing that they've been overspending, maybe not as careful with their marketing budget, maybe having people on board that maybe they, should, they shouldn't have had on board this whole time. So I say right now, for most people, now's the time to clean up, tighten everything up, make sure you got your the right ROI, you got the right products you're using, you're using, you got the right people in place. Asking so many people maybe to, you know, step it up a little bit, let some people go. It's unfortunate, but I think right now is the time to make sure you survive and weather the storm so you can crush it when things change beginning of next year. Okay. All right. Uh, Chris Jefferson, your opinion. Yeah, listen, I love this question, man. It's time for killers to really step up, really step out and really get active in this business, right? I've been sharpening my sword for 10 plus years. If you are new, old, it doesn't really matter. You need to be intentional about learning the things that you need to know right now. It's a perfect time to scale, perfect time to create massive, massive wealth. It's not any time to play scared. If you're scared to swing at the ball and you got a fast pitch, uh, fastball coming down the center, swing and hit a home run, man. That's what I'm out here doing. If it, Look, don't even be my student if that's not what you're doing. Now's the time to really get wealthy. 
that's what we're doing so we can send RJ bottles in the club so he has something to drink. Let's go. <laughs> there we go. All right. Uh, RJ, your thoughts? Uh, I absolutely agree with CJ. I think this is the time to be scaling up. Listen, we've been on this run uh, where the market's been going up for 10 plus years. So we knew this was coming. This is not a surprise. It's not a shock. Um, supposedly half the country voted in Sleepy Joe. So we also knew it was coming after we did that. So the, the, the handwriting's been on the wall, okay? And so for us, we have been prepared for this moment. We, we made sure that we got rid of the assets that we no longer wanted to hold forever. And we are fully prepared to scale up during this recession. And yes, we are in a recession. You can't just change definitions because you feel like it. Okay. And RJ, do I have your verbal commitment that when you receive the bottles in the club from CJ, Big Weasel can participate in the activities? <laughs> it's a hard pass. <laughs> All right. Uh, Leon, your thoughts? Market share gained during a recession should never be lost. Let me say that again. The market share that you gain today, you should never lose. To, But to Steve's point earlier, if you've prepared for it, RJ just mentioned this, we have been the last three years, every investor I know, their last three years have been their best years consecutively. Their best year was 2019. Their best year was 2021, 2020, 2021. If you've prepared for it financially, Get after it because the market share that you gain today, if you're a good business owner, you'll never lose it and you'll continue to grow. Okay. Okay. Great points all around. Uh, gentlemen, the floor is open. I, I, I got a quick thought, right? So I'm somebody who started in 2008 and I hear this argument like if you prepared and this, that, and the third, I didn't come in necessarily fully prepared. I could have taken some very simple basic concepts like seller financing at that point in time, substitution of collateral. And I could literally have created a massive, massive wealth opportunity for myself with little to no experience at the time. I don't think this is contingent of an opportunity on how good you are, what your skill set is. Will that benefit you? Yes. We're literally going into the lifetime opportunity. Take advantage of it. Do not play scared right now. This is not the time whatsoever. Okay. Any other points that anyone would like to make before we... I think uh... one thing to add as far as preparation, I, I, knew, I know that we all knew something was going to come. I don't think any of us expected it was going to be like this, right? Like watching the Fed jump the rate consecutively 75 bips, two meetings in a row, uh, having the I buyers that were depending on those interest rates for their yield, having that affect their purchasing price, having it change this quickly. I don't think any of us have experienced a market shift this fast. I got to grow in 2007. I got to learn and experience it. I don't know too many people that got to experience a, um, I mean, we, we hit a wall, right? We didn't like maybe, you know, uh, slow down a little bit. We didn't go from a hundred to like 85. We went from hundred to like 30 overnight. So CJ made some great points there in regards to create being creative, doing it outside the box to more, less traditional, right? That said, the question was about uh, scaling during the recession. And scaling, if you're doing it while lean and growing from maybe you're doing 50 deals a year and you're trying to go to 100, you can still do that with the same type of team, same size. What I was talking about in regards to preparation is if you try to go from 30 transactions a year 
to 300, that may be hard for you financially if you haven't prepared with the same type of business that you're running today. Absolutely, there's other ways to take advantage of it, but true scale of business with leaders and, and team and systems and process, it, it can be tough if you're not prepared for that. Steve, to your point about this being different than what anybody else has experienced, I've asked for several years when I go to masterminds and, and meetups and things like that, the people that went through 2008, I would ask them, what would you have changed? How was that experience? And everything that I heard from them was, I've never experienced anything like it before. That was a once in a lifetime recession and what happened. I think almost every time it's going to be different because there's a different cause of what's happening. I, I don't know if that plays too big of an impact on what CJ and I are saying, which is we've kind of known that this moment was coming. We didn't know exactly what was going to be the cause of it, but at least we're prepared for the moment to, to capitalize on the opportunities that are presenting themselves. Let me ask one last question, RJ. Would you agree that you could take somebody and within 30 days teach them a basic concept of seller financing and they literally could go scale from zero deals to 10 deals a year very easily and, and over a 10 year period, now they've got a portfolio of a hundred houses. They never had to use a bank to do this. They never had to do any of that. I could literally take somebody right now in 30 days and teach them the exact concept of seller financing, how to go implement it, how to have the conversation. And literally they're off to the races. So preparation, preparation, yes, but within context is all I'm saying. I think that's absolutely. pretty market specific as well, though. I mean, I think it depends on the market you're in. That could sure, be crazy. But you pick your market. Yeah. Well, you're, Steve, you're in one of the epicenters that was hit the hardest in 2008. And what's to say it's not going to be hit the hardest in 2022? You know, I mean. We don't know. I don't know. Going back to that open door question earlier, they got 10% of the active listings right now. So we'll see. That's pretty. They won. That's pretty, they that's took pretty the belt. Heavy. They took the belt for, for W's for most one, uh, one contracts. All right. <laughs> so great points all around. We got some good contracts. Uh, Comments as well. Uh, Bam Bam 704 said, now's the time to truly understand your KPIs, adjust, and scale. That's a very good point. Um, know your numbers. That's another hashtag for you. Know your numbers. There we go. Kip Stevens said, uh, the panel looks like a lineup for a diversified softball team. <laughs> <laughs> softball. Before we, before we close out softball? the voting, I just would love your opinions on that one, guys. Softball, <laughs> basketball. Oh, it's yeah. softball. <laughs> Steve, yeah. step back they're looking the at RJ with the beard and the hat. I think that's where they're going. There the you softball go. player. The diversified softball. He does look like he'd, he'd probably be really good at catching. He looks like <laughs> no, he does, like, man. He's, he's I think RJ, hitter. he looks like from one of those uh, one of those movies, those baseball movies, the catcher had that beard, man. It does look like that for sure. Yeah. I did play catcher in high school. See? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think he would have killed on the, on the U.S. women's uh, – Softball team. <laughs> he's got to grow the hair back for that. He's got to uh, grow it back out for that. I'm part right. of this question, Weasel. I finished in last place. Can we move on? Well, I, I'd like to point out that as soon <laughs> as you did somebody, somebody called RJ, RJ Trump. I love this. Man. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a couple comments in there. Uh, Tripping RJ for sure. I just like to point out RJ that as soon as you said I can't enjoy the bottles in the club with you, you came in last place. So. <laughs> Uh, it looks like Chris Jefferson pulled out the W for round two. So we're one and one with Steve Trang and CJ. Uh, and we're going into question three. Guys, you ready? Which sports yep. franchise would you like to mirror as a business? CJ, let's start with you. Man, I, look, I'm going to say the Warriors, all right? 
Uh, if I had to pick a team to be for my business, it'd be the Warriors. But the reason is quite simple, right? One, the obvious is I'm going to retain and keep top talent. But more importantly, the culture that I'm going to create, the money that I'm willing to spend to build that culture, I live by that. I live by that. I show that every single day of my life. Charged up. Shout out to the U family. I've been able to create a culture over the last couple of years by being willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that the people with me running every single lap have the opportunity to win. So by far, it would be the Warriors. No question. These guys on here, they don't got that type of family behind us. So they may not understand. Shout out to the U. <laughs> All right, you can't just talk to the audience and, and beg for votes. That's got to yeah. be like some sort of penalty. It's a fact. It's a fact. Uh, second place last round was Leon. So let's go ahead and get your opinion, Leon. Yeah, this one's really hard for me because I'm a diehard, lifelong Kansas City Chiefs fan. And so uh, this is this was a hard question for me to answer. But the right answer for me is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And here's why. In my lifetime, I'm 45 years old. That franchise has had three Hall of Fame coaches. They have Hall of Fame ownership, Hall of Fame coaches, and last I checked, Mike Tomlin's never had, their current head coaches never had a losing season. They are winners across the board. It comes from the top down. The culture is there. They win championships and they're always, always competitive and consistent. So for me, the franchise I would want to model off of is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Let's go to uh, RJ. So I'm going to go with the New England Patriots. Um, they're my favorite team on planet Earth. And that's your time. <laughs> <laughs> You're out. Uh, I'm sorry. Your clock can restart. Your clock can restart. Go ahead. So New England Patriots, uh, so much so we even adopted one of their core values, which is do your job. But also going back to their owner, Robert Kraft, uh, I consider myself very similar to him. And the fact of if you go read the book, The Dynasty, about Robert Kraft buying the New England Patriots, he went into a, a bank in Boston with nothing to his name and convinced them to give him money to buy the New England Patriots and create the dynasty. I think the ability to recruit top coaching, uh, top talent, and keep them around, regardless of what's happened over the past 20 years, uh, they've been successful. And I love the fact that they live in the gray area. I mean, look, you look at great organizations like the Patriots and All In, they're willing to do whatever it takes to get that belt. And I want to mirror that just like those organizations. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, All right. Last but not least, we're going over Shout to Steve. Shout out to Carlos, man. Shout out to Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I, I think RJ has the right answer, but his explanation was terrible. So I think really what we're looking at is the New England Patriots. And the reason why is the the plug and play component, right? They've got structure, they got the culture, they got the right leadership. Doesn't matter if you've got a checkered pass like Randy Moss or whatever, they can put you in, plug into a system and get you performing at a high, high level. So I think their ability to bring in players that were uh, facing trouble leadership and still excelling in their roles and being able to get these guys their second, fourth round picks and becoming pro bowlers on a regular consistent basis Everyone that comes in just wins, and consistently they're one of the top-performing teams, and they don't have to go and get the best players. They can get anybody and plug them in. I mean, the fact that they took Troy Brown and turned him from receiver to corner, I mean, that just talks about how the, the quality of the coaching within that organization. I, I got Shout it. out to Pete for dropping the Troy Brown line. I think he yes. should listen to that. 
That was I didn't sure. know. I didn't know he was going to pull that one. But uh, RJ, you are right. You know, Dynasty is a great book, and it does talk about Craft uh, 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 walking into the bank as a printer and getting that money. It just happened to leave out the other thing that he walked in just a few years ago here in Florida. Didn't mention anything about that because he's walked into <laughs> other establishments as well. But he was guys, confused. Guys, he was confused. The lighting, oh. the red lighting was confusing. The red light district. No, it's look, you got I hear you guys, but I hear you guys talking a lot from the top down, right? I hear you guys focusing a lot of your conversation here on management, on ownership, on coaching, and all that's great. But if you're being blatantly honest, I don't know that New England's been able to necessarily retain top talent. I think they've been able to grow top talent. They couldn't retain Tom Brady. They've been able to retain Bill Belichick. I don't think they won a championship last year. I highly doubt RJ's a big fan. I don't think they're going to win a championship this year. The reason I said the Warriors is because they put players first. They created a culture with great ownership, with great coaching, but they brought in great talent. Maybe not the best talent, not the best high school talent, not the best college talent. What are you talking, but they are you brought, talking they about not the best talent? They built up. I got one of the greatest yeah. players of all time. <laughs> I'll, I'll defend <laughs> RJ. I'll defend what, RJ yeah. on this one, though, because uh, the, the, the Patriots are – the best organization of realizing when a player their stock is on the way down and that as an organization they put organization over players and we've had this conversation before about what's better the the, the top end player that's a distraction and getting the most out of each individual person within the culture so to that i get your point of having you know retaining players but they're also really good about maximizing the talent that but they what have about when Leon, what about when you can maximize talent when you can maximize a jordan pool you can maximize a draymond green where you can take a steph curry that wasn't a, a a top college player really until his senior year right until his last year in school you can take that type of talent you can grow into hall of fame talent clay thompson RJ Bates didn't know who Klay Thompson was until he got to the Warriors. Let's just keep it real. Everyone knew Steph Curry was going to be great. Everyone knew. The Suns traded they, for Steph no, Curry, and the Warriors were negged on it. before they knew, he, they, would, knew, they knew he would be a great shooter. Let's all be honest. I'm a basketball guy. Do we know how many people wrote Steph Curry off when he had bad ankles? A lot. A lot of people did. Thank right. you. Hold on, hold on one second here, CJ, because I got to defend myself. I'm a sports guy, okay? Please. I hung out with Clay Thompson at a Washington State-Stanford game, okay? So don't even go there, all right? <laughs> you didn't even know that Clay Thompson went to Washington State. And then when you're talking about Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, these, these were not star players until they came to the Patriots. So you're talking about a Jordan Poole. I come on. No one knows. You're telling Poole. me Jordan Poole's not a star right now? No, no. Oh, Listen, come on. That would that championship was won because of Steph. Okay, that's and and listen, you never even brought up Steve Kerr. What about his leadership? You, I mentioned coaching. I mentioned coaching. I think the Warriors have an organization where they develop from the ownership down to player. Great culture, great team effort. Everybody's dialed into the system. If you're not like KD, what did Draymond tell KD? RJ, get out of here. We don't need you. Right? We don't need you. Right? We can bring other some. We can bring other players in. We can get Andre Iguodala back. We can go win another championship. That's what they do. Draymond says a lot, though, okay? You can't give him credit <laughs> when he's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, voting is getting ready to close right now. Um, I got to say, I've never questioned your guys' qualifications to be on this program before. But the fact that nobody <laughs> said the Yankees, I guess we're not winners in this Trash. program. What? Dude points for me on this one i get the question um, <laughs> all right guys it looks like chris jefferson took that one also with 40 percent of the votes so shout out to chris jefferson on that 
But oh, what, we, what we have to do to oh, qualify to, to win the round, we just got to give a shout out to the U. This is what it appears to be the strategy here. <laughs> hey, listen, man. Start, listen. You know how waves work? Here. You know how waves work, right? You guys got nice water over there. Listen, this is how a wave works. You either get pushed over by the wave or you got to ride it, man. You got to make a choice. got to make a choice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Question number four is, are great entrepreneurs naturally gifted or can you learn to be one? And let's go back with uh, last round's champ, Chris Jefferson. Yeah, look, I think I think it could be learned to be a great entrepreneur, uh, to be a great entrepreneur, to be a good businessman, a great businessman, woman. It takes skill. It takes time to develop that. I think a lot of people get into business, entrepreneurship, and they have a great concept. They get a, got a great product, a great idea. And they think just because of that, all of a sudden, it's just going to take off. You're going to make a bunch of money and, and everything's just going to be beautiful. That's just not how entrepreneurship truly works. It's a lot of valleys in this. There's a lot of bad days. There's a lot of days you wake up and it's not how you wanted it to be. That can be learned over time. You have to constantly be developing your skill, seeing the things that you're weak at, what you can get better at. And eventually over time, you become an, a legendary entrepreneur and you can make massive, massive money uh, as a result. So I think it's something that could easily be learned if you're willing to be dedicated to the craft of learning how to be a good entrepreneur. All right. Leon G. Barnes, your thoughts. Yeah, like anything, you know, you you often hear our leaders born, uh, our entrepreneurs born. There are traits that everyone has that are gifts, and you can use those gifts as you see fit. But I think in this particular case, this is something that can definitely be learned. There are some natural traits here. I talk to entrepreneurs on a daily basis. Those entrepreneurs often started out flipping couches flipping. Uh, I heard during the pandemic, people were flipping weights and workout equipment because it wasn't available. There's always that trait of someone starting when they were five or six years old and selling things from the beginning of their life. But any anything can be taught. I'm, I'm under that belief. And so from an entrepreneur, entrepreneur standpoint, definitely believe it can be taught. All right, Steve, your thoughts? I think that there are a lot of people that are successful, that they have to have some ingrained traits uh, that they're born with. I think that they do have to have some driver personality. Uh, I think that they have to, you know, have a strong ego, self, uh, self-identity. Uh, but I think with that being said, you need to have some a good layer. But after that good layer, 95%, 98% of your success is going to be mental and uh, self-development, surrounding yourself with the right people. So I think if you got the wrong raw materials, you're going to have some problems. You get the right raw materials, then you can become something great through building upon yourself. So it's a lot more nurture than nature, but without the nature, it doesn't matter how much you nurture, I don't believe. Okay. And RJ, take us home. So I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to be the one person that disagrees with everybody. I'm going to say that to be a great entrepreneur, that you have to be born with a certain skill set. Uh, I don't think that, I mean, the question is to be great. And I don't know that you can take someone that is not born with the right mm-hmm. mindset, the ability to handle the ups and downs and the pressures of being an entrepreneur. I don't know if that's something that you're, you can just go out and someone can teach that to you. I think you have to be born with that inside of you. And it's, it's kind of a part of your makeup. Um, I, can you be taught how to be an entrepreneur? Sure. But I don't know about greatness. That's like saying you could just teach someone how to throw a football as great as Tom Brady. Eh, that was kind of naturally gifted to him. And, and I think that's kind of 
we're underestimating what we mean by a great entrepreneur. I think there's very few and far between the, the amount of entrepreneurs there are that are great. Okay. Well, I think to, to your point, right? That's kind of what I was saying earlier. Like you have to have some ingrained traits. You have to have some of it, but that's just a fraction of it. But like, you know, someone that's really, really, really detail oriented, you know, like an accountant or a scientist, I don't know if they can ever learn to become an entrepreneur, but someone that um, has a, a drive, that's not enough. There's so much more that has to be added on top of that. So yeah. you're both right. The personality profile Thank for you. an entrepreneur is, typic is typically different than a person that's okay with working for someone else and going in eight to five. It is definitely uh, a different profile. That said, Larry Yatch has talked about this on your show and at our uh, mastermind several times, the education system in the United States was set up to create a bunch of factory workers. We all, that all of us public school kids, went through an education system to set up factory workers. So for me, having to go to college and find a good job like I was taught by my grandparents, right? I didn't know that I had those skills within me until someone showed me the way as to be an entrepreneur. So. Yes. Do I have some natural traits that lean towards that? Absolutely. But I do think there are people out there right now that are listening to this and say, I've never really thought of myself as an entrepreneur. I don't know if I could be. Absolutely. You can be, and it can be taught. Not Maybe you're not great, but you can be. Great. That's yeah, what the think, Yes, absolutely. But, but, but I think great is all just self-definition at the end of the day. If you believe and feel that you're great, I think you are great. I don't think any one man or woman can decide who is or isn't great. But look, at the end of the day, it's all about ego and pride being left at the door in entrepreneurship and accepting the things that you aren't really great at and the things that you can get better at. And then the things that you are naturally gifted and good at, how can you get even better at those particular things? Build a team around the things that you're not very great at, develop that skill set so you can manage that team and the things that you're really good at, drive those things inside of your business. But I think you can be a great entrepreneur. You don't have to develop Facebook or you know something like that to be considered great. I think anybody can be great in their own right. Uh, you know, I just think you can develop these skills over time. I've been doing it for 12 years, right? So I didn't start out knowing how to talk to a seller on the phone or doing this and doing that. You develop that skill. But you over probably time. hustled a little bit in high school. See, see well, how he just called know. himself great without calling himself great. See how you did that? I so I mean, that's that's skill. Skill. Leon, that's a skill. Going back to having the right thing, right? I was like the... for sure a couple of different things in high school, mostly candy and 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 some you know some DVDs and stuff like that. But you know, so you have a natural knack. Yes, I agree. But to hone in on that skill set, how you truly sell, how do you understand the sales is really psychology. That's the skill set you got to develop over time, in my opinion. So charisma and leadership and all of these different things mm -hmm. that it takes. And honestly, just the ability to handle the pressures of being yeah. an entrepreneur, you think all of that can be taught? RJ, I just got to say, man, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm flattered <laughs> that you feel, you know, those things about it. Say again, you know, RJ? Say, RJ, repeat what you said. Thank you so much for that, man. I appreciate it. Uh, what I said was, is CJ just had the softest moment on part of the disruption. Was well, I was thinking he was probably one of those people suing open door. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone, you just define what greatness is and you're great. I think that's fair, man. I think that's fair. I think that the only exception, if you don't have, we're talking about the natural ingrained traits, if you don't have that, I think the only other way is you have to have like some severe trauma, right? To really kind of like shift you. Uh, to to motivate you to be an entrepreneur because if you don't have some of those ingrained traits the ones where you got in trouble in school or you're selling things maybe you shouldn't have been selling right if you didn't have those things then you're going to have to have, have to have an experience that's going to force you to become an entrepreneur otherwise i think you're going to be a nine to five 
uh, worker. To RJ's question, right? Does charisma naturally help? For sure. I, I agree with that 110%. But can that be earned or learned? Yeah, like if you're not good talking to people, or you don't feel you're charming or have charisma, go to Toastmasters. Go take some different classes. Take up some stuff on public speaking. Like develop how those things work and you can get good at it. You don't have well, to see, teach RJ that. He already has no personality. He's figured out how to make fair. the charisma That's work. CPA is a perfect example of how this cannot happen, okay? You cannot be taught to be charismatic. You can't ta be taught to be a great entrepreneur. See? Look at CJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have some great, uh, some great comments in the chat. One from Adam, he says, to quote John Maxwell, great leaders aren't born, they're made. Bam Bam 704 says, you have to be born with not being content and stubborn and work ethic, but not an entrepreneur. Um, I think I followed that one. And then uh, there was one more. Cassie said, you have to be able to thrive in certain sets of circumstances, too. So great comments from the chat. We appreciate all those. Uh, voting has closed and looks like Steve Trang gets to raise the trophy again because he's on the board with two points. So it's coming down to the wire here between CJ and Steve Trang. But Leon and I just got to give a shout out to the U. That's all, that's all I'm doing moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret sauce. There it is. <laughs> He's figured out the trick. He figured out the trick. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's go to question number five, and then we have a few questions that were submitted from the audience uh, that we'll use as the last question. Question number five is going to be, what is the number one skill wholesalers underestimate in needing? Uh, let's go with Steve. Um, I think uh, the, the big thing, and we talked about it last week with Eric Brewer, and we had talked about it with Larry Ash, is leadership, right? Leading people like sales and marketing you can figure out sales as a skill you can learn. You can figure out marketing that's just copying and pasting from your friends, right? So leader, leadership is leading people. People is the X factor in your business. If you can't recruit people, if you can't train people, if you can't lead people and you're having high turnover, you're going to have a really hard time in this business. So I think leadership, leading the people to uh, empower them to do what they want to do, fitting that within your vision, I think that is the single most valuable skill. Uh, and I think uh, wholesalers may not value that initially. I think they figure that out much, much later on in their business. All right. RJ Bates. So I'm going to go with the ability to underwrite a deal. I think this is the number one thing that everyone complains about with wholesalers. And then it's also part of the reason why we're probably getting scrutinized. And there's talks about regulations on the wholesaling industry. When you're talking about underwriting a deal, we have a responsibility to our cash buyers, essentially our customers, to understand where they need to deal, how to actually analyze it. And so we're making sure when we're making an offer, it's a legitimate offer to a seller that can be performed on. And so I think over and over and over again, we want to talk about how to close a seller, how to talk to a seller, how to do marketing. But what about the nuts and bolts? I get it. It's not sexy. It's not fun to talk about but it's necessary to understand how to properly comp and underwrite a deal. All right, let's go over to Chris Jefferson. Yeah, man, I think this is really simple, actually. I think the number one skill set you got to have is discipline. I think you can be great at all these things that everybody's saying. I think you can be a great entrepreneur. You can be charismatic. You can be whatever you want. But, I mean, if you want to be a wholesaler and you don't have discipline and consistency, you're just not going to get very far. This is a business that beats you up on a daily basis. You got to be willing to get up every single day, do things in your business without knowing if, if it's going to directly return a revenue to you or not. Uh, so I think it's discipline, man. I think you got to be able to get up every day, fight the fight in your business, fight for your dream, whatever that might be. And you got to push forward. So number one skill set by far uh, is discipline. I think that is a skill. Love it. 
All right, Leon Barnes. So my answer is leadership, but because Steve used it, I can't use that. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to go to delegation, and here's why. A lot of people get into this business to be their own business owner, and they have the myth that they they can come and they can do deals. They invest in how to do more deals and continue to scale the business. But what they forget to do is learn how to find other people to do the things that they're weakest at. So I can I see on a daily basis that people really, truly struggle with delegating and try to do too many things. So when thinking about the, the things that they miss the most is how can I find someone to do this for me so I can focus on the highest generating uh, revenue generating activities? OK. The voting and the floor is now open, gentlemen. So, Leon, you got to figure out something going, going on with your camera. And CJ, uh, uh, he, said, he explained uh, discipline, but then he, uh, he said discipline, and then he, he defined grit. So I don't know where he was going with that. He, he, he gave one answer and then explained a different no, answer, no, so I'm no, not really sure. It's, it's, and I forgot real quick, really. shout out to the U. All right, go ahead, RJ. <laughs> Steve and Leon, they made sure their, their answer was – under the pretense that the wholesaler wants to scale up a business and actually has a team. I mean, at least CJ's answer was applicable. I mean, you have to have consistency. I agree with that. But Steve, what are you talking about with leadership? I mean, you, if you're a solopreneur and you're just trying to be a wholesaler that does two to three deals a week, are you leading yourself? Is that what you're you're referring to? I mean, the, the hardest person to lead is yourself, right? Like we're all great coaches, but are, are we all great students, right? Like first person to lead is ourselves, right? But yeah, to your point, if you're a solo wholesaler, leadership isn't as important, but uh, at that point, you still got to lead other people, right? You got to lead the seller, the title. You still got to lead the title person to do their job correctly. You still got to get the hard money person to fund the deal two or three days prior to close. So you still have to lead people. It's not as paramount as after you have people, but you still have to lead people. Leon's answer was so bad, he just removed himself. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did. But what, the reason I say discipline is because I've had thousands and thousands of students, right? Here's the, here's the number one, and, and no shot at anybody who's ever been a student. Here's one of the things that I see from a lot of people. You know how many people I've seen, man, that have made 5000 on a deal, 10000 on their first deal, even $30,000 on their first deal, but did not have or maintain the discipline to keep going? How many people have gotten the information of how to do the business and, and gotten some progress? Like making your first call to a seller is progress. Getting a property in a contract, even if it doesn't close, that's progress, right? And so it's discipline to keep going when that contract falls through and it's your first one and you thought you were making 10 grand and you put everything into that. Now it's zero. It takes discipline to get back up and push this thing another day to get these things done. So, Chris, so I really, really think it's discipline. I appreciate you saying that, but that goes back to our last point, right? Which right. was that what RJ and I were talking about, when you get punched in the mouth, you get kicked in the nuts in this business, because it's going to happen. When closing is supposed to happen, it doesn't happen. Will you get back up, right? And I think that's sure. the the grit, the uh, the ego to withstand challenges. Because I think a lot of people, that's what we're saying, like you have to have some in, innate talent, innate uh, abilities. When you get punched in the mouth, will you keep going? Because I think most people are going to be what RJ was saying earlier, they're going to be getting up and suing open door. Or they're going to be a Richard. The reason why I went with underwriting a deal is because I think if you can do that, that separates you from the vast majority of wholesalers out there. 
And I get leadership and discipline and all these things. Those are good skill sets that every entrepreneur needs. This is specifically about the wholesaling industry. And I think that over, if you ask the vast majority of cash buyers, hey, what do you wish a skill set all of your wholesalers that you need to bring you deals had? They would say, I really wish they could underwrite a deal like I do. That's not, hey, I really wish they had the discipline to go out. I just, I think that's a, I just had a different idea of what it was because it was specifically about wholesalers specifically. So the number one thing I learned that I underestimated is the power of the you to take out your camera. If you have too good of an answer, that might be Pete Chris. That's what I've learned during this. I love it. I love it, man. And shout out to Steve because Steve's really talking about resiliency, right? Like the ability to be resilient, not necessarily grit, but really just being resilient, right? Like being able to take and withstand any sort of pressure, anything that hits you in life, business, whatever, having the resiliency to push forward. So, I mean, I think a lot of great points, but I just wanted to point that out for sure. All right. Someone vote me real quick so I don't tie CJ. Give me a W. (laughs) (laughs) Begging now. All right, we had some great, great comments again. The viewers came through. The viewers came through. <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to highlight. Uh, Deandra said, "All great answers is a good question." Agreed. The evolution evolution said, "Without discipline, nothing will improve." Agree with that. Isaiah R. Cena said, "I agree with R.J. Until Coach spoke, you can underwrite like a mommy flower, but if you're not making offers, what's the point?" Uh, <laughs> Shout out to my guy Isaiah, man. There we go. And it looks like R.J. Bates edges C.J. on this one with forty percent of the votes. He's on the board with a point. Let's go, R.J. All right, guys. So we're up to the. Uh, Question that we received. So we actually received a bunch of questions. So uh, shout out to the chat. Thank you for everybody for submitting some great questions. Uh, The one that was chosen is going to be, what's the biggest factor that has helped you be successful? Now, this one should get some good good responses. We'll start with RJ. (laughs) I'm going to steal CJ's answer. (laughs) My consistency, baby. Um, I mean, I I don't think there's anyone in this industry that is more consistent than me on a day-to-day basis. Um, I, I put that on full display. CJ gives me a hard time about it. You know, <laughs> um, you know, when I went out and went live for 50 days straight um, in 50 states. And and that for me is what will separate me from anyone out there is every day, you know where I'm going to be. You know what I'm going to be doing. My team knows it. And that is the leadership by example that I set for them. So I think for me, it's been my consistency hands down. All right, let's go over to CJ. Yeah, I, I want to take a second, if you don't mind. I just want to shout RJ's win out on the last round from winning, literally winning from my answer. I think that was really great how he did that. <laughs> um, but but no, he he's he RJ's right in this, right? Like, I think what's made me successful over the years is just being resilient to Steve's point earlier, being consistent, being dedicated. Like entrepreneurship, being a wholesaler and investor, it's a hard road, man. There's dips in this thing. It's not as easy as it always seems. Uh, so being able to be consistent through through anything, despite anything, whatever challenges uh, is important. And I do give RJ a lot uh, when he you know, he's going on this run uh, online, but it's been impactful. It's helped his business. It's helped the community of real estate. And so to his credit, uh, the consistency is important, man. Like if you don't have that, you have nothing. It doesn't matter how good you are at anything. You have to be consistent at whatever you're doing. All right. Uh, Leon Barnes, your thoughts? 
So I think both of those answers are great answers based upon we know that to be successful, you have to be a hard worker, you have to have discipline. But I think all of those things are given to be successful. But to add to the biggest factor, we assume those things for successful people are there. It's vision. It ultimately boils down to having a vision of where that hard work and that discipline is going to take you. Because I can show you a lot of people that are what some people wouldn't consider successful that are hard workers and have tons of discipline. But it's the vision of where you want to go. If you have visions of being a head football coach of the Steelers or the Patriots or any of these teams that the Warriors we talked about earlier, of finding out what those people did to be successful and mirroring that. We assume that we're going to work hard and have discipline to get there, but vision is going to be the biggest thing, the biggest factor for you. All right, and Steve, uh, it's on you. Make the point. Bring the W. Man, back I don't home. know how to uh, how uh, top that. I mean, Leon just crushed RJ and CJ, but uh, let me let me try. So I would say the desire to learn, the unquenchable uh, thirst for more knowledge. You know, for me, I'm always learning. I'm always getting better. Um, you know, the person I was last year is a shell of the person I am this year. Every year, I want to be significantly better than I was the year before, and a lot of that is. Fortunately, is joining masterminds, surrounding myself with other successful people. Have the great honor to call three of these guys my friends, right? If I need something, I can call them. Uh, so I, I would say though, the unquenchable thirst for knowledge, wanting to get better, is the one is, is probably the one thing that's helped me the, the the most in my business. All right, the voting and the floor is open. To be clear here, Leon, you said the biggest factor that has helped you be successful is having a vision. No, I, I can only see out of one one eye, so that's uh, that's probably not uh, good for me. But no, it's 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 I like I'm a hard worker. I'm disciplined. A lot like the panel here, right? Every single one of us. I I don't know you guys as well as I know Steve, but I know you wouldn't be on this panel if you weren't disciplined and hard worker. But I can work hard and still be in the same position in ten years if I don't set that plan for myself and learn every day of how I'm going to get there because I could only give you one factor vision, but there's obviously that thirst for knowledge of gaining and becoming more successful than you are today is the point I was trying to make. I think to Leon's point, there's a, there's a lot of amazing blue collar guys out there that work hard and are disciplined. I think that's where Leon's going with his answer. I didn't say I work hard. I said I'm consistent. So yeah, having a vision is important. But if I'm not consistent within that, that vision's going nowhere. Absolutely. Some so people that, have too much so much vision they never even get started. You know, some people have so much vision they never even get started on the business. They've been watching YouTube videos and every Steve Eight training interview. They've been watching RJ Bass for 50 plus days on YouTube. They've been thinking about joining you family, haven't made their mind up yet. Whatever the case might be. All right. But but again, the, the reality I, I is your vision has to take you somewhere. I prefaced it with both were great answers and you do have to have discipline and you do have to be a hard worker. I prefaced it with that. Is that that's an assume you're assuming that. That's kind of like uh, you look at, you have to have integrity, right? You have to be a hard worker, right? Like those are all things that are given. I think Leon's point was that to separate yourself from everyone else. Are, are you a part of Leon's team? No, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I was really impressed at how much better his answer was than your twos. Both of yours. Is, is, I've, is never seen, I, I've never seen. I've never seen one person be so much better than the other two. So I, I was kind of hey, speechless. Let me, throw, 
the bone here. RJ, let him throw the dog a bone. I'll take it. And I want him to get a point. I want him to get a point. For my mission statement, man. I got to get my mission statement up here, man. Is it for real? I didn't know the key to, to winning a question was having it behind us on the wall. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I see, I, see, I see what's going on. I see what's going on. All right, you guys got to update your walls. all right so the voting is getting ready to close but it looks like there's a pretty convincing margin for leon g barnes so he is on the board that means everybody scored a point this week it also is an awkward situation because now we have a tie so on the fly this is what we're doing cj and steve trang we're gonna duke it out this is a one one v one right now Uh oh one question you guys both get a turn that question is if you could start all over again, what would you do differently? Steve, you're up first. Uh, if I could start all over again, I would say the first thing I would do is uh, hire a coach, someone that's done exactly what I want to accomplish. Not someone that's advertising on YouTube, not someone that's famous on social media, but someone that's done exactly what I want to do and is living the life I want to live. Seek them out. Maybe I work for them. Maybe I hire them, put on a credit card. I don't know, but I would find who I want to be and do everything I can to be in close proximity to that person. All right. And CJ? Yeah, I, I agree somewhat with what Steve said, really. Um, you know, I started out by finding somebody that, you know, was local to my area and nobody really knew. I was my first private lender, somebody that I could attach you on to, learn from, figure some things out with. Uh, so I think coaching is extremely important. I think coaching is extremely critical. Uh, but most importantly, I, you know, just myself personally looking back, uh, I'd be more intentional about creating foundational revenue in my life and in my business uh, with buy and hold real estate, with, you know, creative seller finance opportunities. Uh, I think that's one mistake that I made early on and waited too long to do was creating foundational revenue uh, that you can take and use in your life and in your business. Because a lot of us get started with no money, right? None of us are, a lot of us aren't engineers like Steve and have come from good background with a good job and different things like that. And so what has to happen is you have to create rev uh, that you can one live from, but that you can also grow and scale a business from. Uh, and I think buy and hold and consistent revenue is a great way to do that. So if I had to start back over, I'd be very intentional about doing that from the beginning. All right. All right. Some shots thrown in the one V one. I like that. Uh, the voting is open yeah, for all yeah, of the yeah. viewers. We got to pick a champion. <laughs> Uh, the voting is open for the viewers, so please hard make sure work you and throw discipline. Those. What was it? Consistency. That's what it took to get that college degree. So thank you. <laughs> Go ahead, Steve. That's why I dropped out, man. That's why I dropped out. <laughs> I like how I like how he painted you as a silver spoon kid. I love that. I actually wrote no, a not bio- silver spoon kid. I mean, Go ahead, Steve. I was gonna say I haven't announced this yet publicly, but you know, I had I had a biography written about my parents. And so we're going to talk about that at some point. I'm going to be promoting it, but you'll see not <laughs> not a silver spoon, right? Yeah, yeah, not silver spoon. I probably had more of a silver spoon than all of you, to be honest. What I mean more so is, is from a collegiate educational level, Steve's highly educated, extremely smart, brilliant guy. And so he had an opportunity when he came into the business where he had money from a nice probably W-2, right? Nice paycheck that he could take and start building his business off of. Most people getting into real estate do not have that. I didn't have that. I made 15 bucks an hour when I started in real estate. And so what I simply mean is that resiliency, those different things, the charm, and that, you know, you got it. That has to get put together somewhere. But to start growing a business, you need rev. So if you don't have money coming from a nice W-2, I could have built that starting out by buying some rental property, 
doing some creative finance and getting my way into some different things to get some monthly cash flow and then start to scale from there is all I'm saying. So just to Steve, clarify the record, I put everything on my credit card when I started. It was really, wasn't necessarily the smartest <laughs> thing to do, but that's what I did. Go ahead, RJ. <laughs> Steve, I, I know you're not just starting out, but if you want to hire me to teach you how to be a good podcast host, I'm <laughs> I saw you only have like six reviews. <laughs> that's not even a fact. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys, that's gonna conclude the tiebreaker we're gonna calculate the votes really quickly um great episode great insight as always every week it's a big blessing to be able to get some free game from you guys so kudos to you great answers um i i do want to apologize to the viewers on behalf of rj bates performance this week i don't know what's going on he's insulting steve he's hating on leon's uh mission statement he's plagiarizing cj and he won't share his alcohol with me. He got get him weasel so get him weasel it's all over the place with him this week um with that being said steve trang 64 percent of the votes he is oh, our winner this man. week what? hold that little trophy up my man you won. Little, little <laughs> guy. Well done. No shame. Well no done. shame. Great job again. Uh, gentlemen, we'll go ahead left to right on the screen for everyone. Go ahead and say your goodbyes. Tell everyone where they can follow you. I'm going to start with the champ, Steve. Yeah, Steve Trang. Obviously, this YouTube channel, uh, Spotify, iTunes, uh, is just Real Estate Disruptors. Uh, at Steve.Trang on Instagram is the best way to connect with me and my organization. Awesome. All right. Uh, Leon. So Leon G. Barnes, Director of Membership for The Collective Genius. You can find more about us at learnmoreaboutcg.com. Uh, guys, I thoroughly enjoyed today. Sorry for the camera thing, but again, I know now not to speak negative of the you. Then <laughs> it sends surges through my computer and I can't even respond. Great job today, this week, guys. All right, RJ Bates. I am so excited for Steve. He finally won after what, episode six. He finally won on his own YouTube channel. So congratulations. It's number two. It's the second time. Go back, watch the I tape. Watched it the first time you won, okay? Don't Kyler Murray this. Go back and watch the tape. Don't Kyler Murray. Oh, nice. Cool. And really, more than Steve winning, I'm just happy that CJ didn't win. I'm getting tired of him. <laughs> Uh, but RJ Bates the third. You can follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and check out titaniumcrucible.com. There it is. And CJ, bring us home. Chris Jefferson the third. All right. You can find me on Instagram at the Chris Jefferson. Uh, startflippingdeals.com. Shout out to the U family once again. If you're interested in getting into real estate, talk to my one of my students. They can tell you all about the program and they can help you out with any questions as well. Uh, always a pleasure, man, doing this each and every week. Uh, I love this concept because it's it's no one opinion is right. Uh, there's you know having a different winner every week, having different opinions. I think that's a really great thing, man, because we're educating the community and showing people why this is special. Go share this link, go share this episode, and tell people about what we're doing. Tap in next week, man. See you guys then. Absolutely. And to his point, make sure you subscribe to the channel, like the video. Thank you guys for all your comments. Um, we're here each and every Thursday, eleven thirty a.m. ish. That's when we go live. Uh, tell a friend to tell a friend next week. Let's set some records on the votes. Let's see if we can get RJ a couple more rounds next week. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you next nice. week.